Welcome to the WNCT Podcast Network. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It is a crisis that strikes at the very heart and soul and spirit of our national will. People have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of What the Politics. I'm Emily, and I have Victoria here as well. And today, we are super, super excited about the topic we're going to be discussing and even more excited about the special guest that we have for today. So our topic for discussion today is we really wanted to dive into leadership during a pandemic. Um, Our health leaders, our health experts, what have they been doing throughout this pandemic to keep us safe? What's going on behind the scenes um, for these health experts? And, you know, what are their opinions on the vaccine and how the the nation is handling this pandemic? So I'm going to let Victoria introduce our special guest for today. Obviously, I think a lot of people are familiar with your face, but can you give us a little bit um, information on your background? Sure. Hi, everyone. This is Mandy Cohen. I'm the secretary of the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. I'm a physician by training. Um, I've been working in the public sector for about 15 years. Uh, I'm a mom of two daughters who are six and eight, and I've been uh, working on our response to the COVID pandemic since the beginning of this year. Wonderful. Yes. And I'm sure everybody, again, like Victoria says, knows your face, knows your name um, because of this, uh, you know, pandemic um, that's been going on and, you know, everything that you and the governor have been doing to push it out to our community. So we do appreciate that. Um, And we want to ask, you know, what got you into what got you interested in in being a part of of, um, health department and and, uh, being a physician? What got you into that field? Sure. Well, um, so my mom is a nurse practitioner. Uh, she was she actually became a nurse practitioner before they even had the terminology nurse practitioner. So she, you know, was someone I watched who worked in an emergency room and often saw a lot of the broken parts of our healthcare system show up in the emergency room. And I was always interested um, in, you know, walking in her footsteps mm. and going into medicine. And my mom reminds me, you know, when she was growing up, um, you know, women were, were not encouraged to go to medical school. She was encouraged right. to go to nursing school. And so she was really determined that for her daughter, her oldest daughter, uh, if she was at all interested in, in, in medicine, she was going to encourage her to go to medical school. And that's certainly what I did. Um, but I was also interested in the bigger picture of what governed a lot of clinical medicine. I, I realized right away that policy and uh, things that happen in the government space, um, as well as the business sector of, of healthcare, shape a lot of what happens in, in clinical practice. I had the opportunity to work on Capitol Hill while I was still an undergrad in college, and I, w- I, got, I was hooked. And I was really interested in bridging the world of clinical medicine together with what was happening in policy. Um, and so that sort of set me on this, this path. And I went and trained as a doctor, um, but then uh, came back to Washington, D.C., and then had opportunities to uh, work in the federal government for a number of years and then found my way here to North Carolina when Governor Cooper was elected 
Um, and I was lucky enough for him to offer me this this role. And so we moved our family here to North Carolina. For um, before COVID, when you when you moved here and and you accepted the the position that you do have right now, what kind of issues were you dealing with? Yeah. So I mean, look, we were. I've been working for four years to try to build a healthier North Carolina. The governor set out a very bold vision for the state of wanting a North Carolina that had. Um, that was better educated, that was healthier, with more money in their pocket, so folks could live a life of, of abundance and purpose. And when I interviewed with the governor, I said, you know what, I, I know how to help make that vision a reality, and that's what we've been working on. Mm-hmm. So first, it, it involved a lot of work with our Medicaid program and some important transitions that were happening there. And then using the tools across government, for example, to uh, tackle another crisis we were experiencing, which was the opioid crisis. It was one of the first things we worked on together um, across the state to try to reduce opioid overdose deaths, and we did that successfully mm-hmm. um, in the first years of my work here. Um, I'm also very interested in focusing on health broadly. I'm, I'm a physician, and so often we think about health inside a clinic or inside a hospital, but we know that health is so much bigger than just what happens. Uh, in, you know, with, with your doctor. And so I was very interested in bringing together all parts of my department in the service of health. And so we've done that in a number of creative ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, we launched our first ever statewide platform to bring together health and human services. It's called NC Care 360. Uh, we focused on early childhood. I think that was a really important focus for us to really get upstream of some of the, the issues we're seeing is to focus on when kids are super young. Um, birth to to age eight, and how do we support them in brain development and health and in safety and in education? So that that were those were some of our focuses, and I would say that hasn't really changed with COVID. Yes, we've had to respond to COVID, and that has certainly been an yeah, enormous enormous effort of my department. But it has frankly accelerated some of the work we needed to do. Um, in order to respond to COVID. Definitely. And so, you know, obviously something like COVID-19, something like a pandemic, you never are prepared for it. You never expect it, you know, to show up or, or magnitude or be in a magnitude of the scale that it is. So for things like that, for cases like a pandemic or COVID-19, are there pre-planned efforts already in place federal-wise or state-wise that are, you know, policies or plans already in place to prepare for things like this? Um, certainly. The the team here, both at the federal and the state level, there were pandemic plans and tabletop exercises. Um, but again, th- I think this is bigger uh, than anyone has had ever experienced before. And so we are certainly learning a lot of hard lessons. Um, and I think that we will be building stronger for the future. Um, and so, yes, there were plans, and I, we definitely executed on a lot of those plans in terms of, of how we were collecting data and making um, scientific-driven decision-making and how we did communications. But there was a lot we had to build um, that, that, um, that, that didn't exist. One thing, for example, is the entire testing infrastructure. When we started this, there were zero mm-hmm. tests for COVID, right? Zero tests. To, you know, so now we're close to like 40,000 tests a day here in North Carolina. So that took a lot of effort, um, scientific effort, but then just logistical effort to get tests across our state and do it in a way that was equitable and reaching all of the communities of North Carolina, um, even those that are historically 
underserved. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of lessons learned here, but but we definitely did rely on some of that strong infrastructure and planning that was in place. But again, a lot of hard lessons learned that, that we've seen play out over the course of this year. Mm-hmm. And and although there are plans ready on, on the wayside that, that can always be referred to, um, when was the moment that you realized how big of a de- like deal this might be? Did you ever have a moment where you're like, we, this is bigger than, <laughs> yeah. When was that moment for you? Yeah, I've shared this a couple of times because it's so such a vivid moment for me. So I should say we were, our team was tracking and preparing uh, for COVID since January, months before our first case. We, for early February, I think the governor had already stood up, uh, you know, COVID task force across the government. But I think it was mid-February when I saw that China had stood up and built a hospital from the ground up in 10 days. I don't know if you remember that viral video. It was kind of going around the internet for a bit where they, they built a hospital in 10, yeah, 10 days. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, oh my goodness. I was like, that, yeah. what is happening there that they needed to build an entire hospital in 10 days? Right. That is mind blowing. I think that for me clicked into a new gear of planning where I said, this, this is coming to our shores. One, we are not going to be able to build a hospital in 10 days. So how are we going to prevent this virus from spreading, right? Because um, how are we going to protect our hospital capacity so we are not in a place where we need to build a hospital in 10 days? Um, And so uh, that was, uh, you know, that was the moment. And it it has felt like a marathon ever since. We've been running, 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 trying to uh, respond to this pandemic. First, it was you know, planning, 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 building capacity, building capacity, building capacity, and then using that capacity to respond. Um, and I think it has has uh, fared well for us in North Carolina. Look, we we avoided the first big wave that was seen by the Northeast. We avoided the, the second huge spike that was seen in the South over the summer. Um, and now, even as we're seeing this third big wave, you know, North Carolina is not doing well, and I am very concerned. But if you look at us compared to a lot of other states, you know, we are still, you know, holding our own with hospital capacity and such. And I think if we continue, you know, to pull together as a state that we can weather this and, and I've been spending a lot of time today talking about vaccine. Vaccine is on the way. Um, so. We, we have hard work to do over the next number of months to keep this virus level as low as we can. And then we have work to do to get everyone vaccinated. Sure. And so when it comes to, you know, the, F, the CDC was pushing the three W's um, and then a lot of um, your coronavirus um Uh, press conferences with Governor Cooper. You guys talked about the three W's um, as health protocols to prevent the spread. So, you know, washing your hands, waiting six feet apart, wearing your mask. Do you think that the people of North Carolina have been diligent in, in doing those three W's? Do you think they've really stepped up to the plate and adhered to what we've been saying and adhered to what the health experts are saying to help bring this spread down? Yeah, well, first I want to just brag on the North Carolina team that the three W's was born here in North Carolina. And then, you know, we've seen that that, that spread, if you will, no pun intended, uh, to other states and to the federal level. But it was, you know, hard hard work done by focus 
focus groups here and partnership with um, some of our academic partners that helped with us, but it was some of our brilliant communications folks who recognized that we needed simple, clear, repetitive, memorable messages that would help people change their behavior. We all know how hard it is to change our behavior. Think about when you tried to pick up a new hobby or keep one of your New Year's resolutions, right? Behavior change is really hard. And so getting to that simple, clear, repetitive message um, on, like the three right. W's is important. And I know people are knowing it because they stop me in Target and go, hey, you're the three W's lady. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I am. Uh, and so like, you know, they're listening. Now, now look, behavior, like I said, behavior change is hard. And if you think about the fact that we have asked folks to change the way they move through the world completely in this short period of time, I mean, it's pretty remarkable. Do I wish I would see even more folks wearing masks? Of course. Um, and, but, but I think we have really done, uh, a ton of work and, and I would say, I, I see many, many folks working, the, uh, you know, very hard and doing their best to really try to slow the spread of this virus. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that someone stopped you at Target. Do you get that a lot more often since you've been doing the, the press conferences? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always impressed because obviously I'm wearing a mask and I'm always like, how can they recognize me? With this mask on, but I'm always like, oh, that's great, yay! And there, but you know, three W's. <laughs> Costco too. I don't know what it is about Costco and Target. That's where people seem to call me the three W's lady the most. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, that is awesome. <laughs> and so, uh, going back to the to the daily life of of what you do, what are some of the the daily conversations that that you have when it comes to to um, preparing for the press conferences, um, putting together these meetings? Is it, is it always something that you're, you're having to work on seven days a week, yes. basically more than a nine-to-five job? Yes. <laughs> yes and yes. Uh, you know, so, I mean, it starts with pretty much every day my getting a briefing from the team on the latest numbers and trends, um, issues that have come up, any of the, the you know, key actions for the day. I mean, we have a pretty regimented schedule to make sure, and I keep keep my hands really close to the details because it helps me talk to the public about what's going on and share accurate information. So I stay really close to the details. Uh, today, for example, in, in a press conference I did with the governor, we spent a lot of time talking about vaccine. And so I spent a lot of time this morning with my team making sure that I was up on the latest details of what was happening with vaccine planning. So it's a lot of Frankly, my reading uh, about latest studies or um, I, I uh, make sure to um, follow the latest n- new guidance that is coming out, talk with our team, understand what I, I talk to different stakeholders, whether it's hospital CEOs or others, um, our partners in the education space. So it's a mix of things each and every day, but um, I, I, it, is, it is not nine to five and it is definitely seven days a week. <laughs> And and so just from from what you've been saying, it's it sounds overwhelming, and it sounds like a lot of work. Do you does that get to you sometimes? You feel the stress of it, and what do you do in situations where you're kind of just like, I need to take a breather, five <laughs> seconds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a I'm a real person, so yes, it's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm particularly you know, worried for my, my whole team. It's a lot for the whole team. Um, mm-hmm. They've been running hard for a very long time, and we're trying to use this holiday time uh, to make sure that folks do get some downtime. And actually, I 
took off for the first time during the pandemic over over Thanksgiving. And so it was awesome. I feel much better. <laughs> um, it was it was very nice. And, you know, look, the reason I can do that now, it goes back to this preparation and the work that the team has done to really be in a place where the team is working so well here with our partners. Everyone, um, you know, has really matured our response efforts at this at this time. So the team, uh, you know, is just doing a, a good job. And so um, I'm, I'm able to take a little bit uh, of time away with, like I did last week, which was terrific. Um, but it, it it has been hard, and it is a marathon. And so when I, I feel the fatigue, which I know many are feeling about this year, it's been a hard year for everyone. So I, I don't want to say my fatigue is more important or worse than anyone else's. It's been a hard year all around. We all want to get out of 2020 um, and, uh, you know, around the corner here. So we, we have, a, you know, some hard work to do over the next couple of months. But like I said, hope is on the way mm-hmm. uh, with, with vaccines. So so I, I feel pretty grateful to the scientific community about how, how much good work has gone on uh, to get to a vaccine at this point already. Awesome. And so our last question for you, because again, we don't want to take up too much of your time today. We know you're super busy. But moving forward in the next couple months, you know, These vaccine companies, the pharmaceutical companies are coming out saying, you know, hopefully by December, um, I know Pfizer obviously has just um, put their vaccine up for approval by the FDA last week. So moving forward, what do you see as the future when it comes to the vaccines by the end of 2020? And what are your thoughts on the vaccines? What do you want the public to know about them if they do start to roll out by the end of 2020? Yeah, I do expect for us to have vaccine uh, that we are starting to um, uh, be able to distribute here in in North Carolina within the next couple of weeks. So before the end of December. Wow. Okay. Uh, but but what I want folks to know is it's going to be in limited supply when it first gets here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's been incredible scientific work that's gone on. I've seen some of the preliminary data that shows that this vaccine works, meaning it prevents you from getting COVID and that it is safe. I'm looking forward to seeing more of that data as it goes through the FDA review process. We now have two vaccines that are actually at the FDA for review, which is great. So we're not just going to have one, but two, uh, maybe before the end of December. Um, but know that it's going to be in short supply when it gets here. When it first gets here, it's just going to go to hospitals, and it's just going to be going to healthcare workers um, who work with COVID patients or for um, those who clean, you know, the facilities where COVID patients are. So it is going to be pretty limited at first, um, and then it, from there, from healthcare workers, we go to long-term care residents and staff, so people in nursing homes and those kinds of settings next. And then we'll move on to adults with two or more chronic conditions. So it's still going to be until, the, I would say, the spring, until the vaccine is truly widely available for everyone and who, whomever wants it. Um, so, so it's good news. And like, right, any vaccine is good progress forward. And the more we have, the more people who are vaccinated is important. I do want to flag for folks that the two vaccines that are being uh, considered by the FDA are they both require two shots, two vaccines. So you have to get it, and then you have to get it again, either 21 days or 28 days later. So again, lots of stuff we're going to have to be talking about with folks so that they know the know the plan and and can go and get their vaccine. But 
I, you know, like I said, I think this is great news for us as we head out of 2020 and leave this year behind. Uh, I think the fact that vaccine is on the horizon is a, is a really good sign. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, those are all the questions that we have for you today. And I just want to say thank you so much for, for joining us, especially right now. Um, this is a pre-recorded conversation, but people, I think people should know that you just came back from one of your conference or excuse me, uh, press conferences. So again, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Sure. Well, thanks, Victoria. Thanks, Emily. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk a bit about what's been, been happening over the course of this year. I want everyone to stay safe over the holidays. Make sure you keep it small, keep it outside, wear your mask all the time. Um, So Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning into this episode of What the Politics. And I don't know about y'all, but I feel super refreshed and hopeful about the future after talking to Dr. Cohan and I, I'm very grateful for her time to, to speak to us and and I know that it's been a difficult year like she said but I am so grateful to have leaders like her getting us through this pandemic and especially seeing her and Governor Cooper talking to us being transparent that is something that I believe is is very reflective of the type of person she and Governor Cooper are. But of course, I I do want to say that we are not out of COVID yet. We, we do have some hopeful, hopeful vaccine candidates, but at the same time, we are seeing a rise in vaccine, excuse me, in COVID virus numbers. We are seeing cases go up. And so I just want to remind everyone, please, the three W's. And I truly hope that we can enter 2021 with a hopeful vaccine candidate. All right, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of What the Politics.